You know, just before I get into the Word today, I want to share with those of you that are present and those of you that are watching online, thanks to all the people, got kind of, kind of say shout out to our online family, and also even if you're watching here, listen, it's the only time that the pastor's going to tell you to take out your phone and use it, and that is you could hop on Facebook and share this message right now with some of your friends. But you must have done it, our online must have done it last week too, because we more than doubled our reach last week on Facebook and with our views. So we are so glad you're watching online, and we are so glad that you have come here. Because can I tell you, the people that are here, you make the experience of the people that are watching online even better. So thank you for taking the opportunity to be here. And can we all pray as a church, those of you who are online and those of you who are here, that everything works together so that we can come back together as a church. And I want to encourage you, those of you that are watching online, come back as soon as you can because we'd love to see you again. You get to see us every Sunday. We don't get to see you. So just, you know, we got an invite out there for you and we are praying for you. And again, thank you for making the online experience so wonderful by being here in person. But let's take our Bibles this morning where yours is, uh, might be on an electronic device like mine or you got a leather bound Bible. I love my leather bound Bibles. I use them at home all the time. Um, but let's take our Bibles. Let's hold them up and let's say the words that are up on the screen. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. It is the indestructible, incorruptible, everlasting, living Word of God. I receive it now by faith, and I believe that my life will be forever changed. So let's pray for this message as we get into it today. Father, once again, we come with an expectation. Father, you will speak to us today through your word. Father, we believe with all of our heart that the Bible is you speaking to us. And Lord Jesus, I thank you today as my shepherd that you give me the ability I need today to communicate, to teach your word in such a way that everyone here in person is ministered to, that all who watch this message online today and in the future are ministered to. Lord, we thank you that your word is life-giving. And Lord, we expect today to receive life from you and that our lives will grow richer and better. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's get into this message today. We're in a series called Encounter Jesus. And I want to continue in this series today with a message that I've entitled, Jesus More Than Enough. Don't, don't you love that? I, I just love the title. I just get excited when I think about that our Jesus is more than enough. But let's begin today by once again going back to the words of the Apostle Paul. And I chose these words from the book of Philippians because you all know that the Apostle Paul had a radical encounter with Jesus. But not only did he have a radical encounter with Jesus as far as being saved and coming into a relationship with Jesus, but he didn't stop growing in his knowledge of Jesus. And we see this as we read his words. He's already been a minister for years. And here's what he says in Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. 
Paul says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Wow. Really what Paul is saying to us is there is nothing of greater value in life than knowing Christ Jesus. Let me say that again. There is nothing of greater value in life than knowing Christ Jesus. And listen, as we continue in this series, Encounter Jesus, I'm taking you through the Gospels. And in the Gospel, really, we're, we're primarily staying in the Gospel of John. But we're looking at encounters, encounters that Jesus had with individuals and people that encountered Jesus in groups, the disciples encountering Jesus. And at each of these encounters, we're endeavoring to learn something more about the person of Christ so that then we will value knowing him. Listen, what you learn about Christ today, or maybe today you'll refresh your knowledge of things that you've already learned about Christ, but we need to value what we know. We need to value what we learn about Christ. Paul said, the most valuable thing in my life is the knowledge that I have of Christ. You see, Paul continued to encounter Jesus throughout his life in fresh new ways. How does that happen? It happens when we value knowing him and value growing in our knowledge of him. So let's get into this message today, Jesus more than enough. And I want to take you to an encounter that a little boy had with Jesus, a little boy who gave his lunch. Take you to an encounter that a big group of people had with Jesus, and also the encounter that his disciples had with him. Now, all of this happens at the feeding of the 5,000. Probably a familiar story, but let's read it in the Gospel of John. Now, now let me just say before I, I read this, it's kind of a long passage, but here's what I want you to know. Once we get through reading this, you will have done your Bible reading for the day. Okay, so here we go. John chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It says, After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks to God for the... Well, let me get it back here. I lost my place. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish. 
and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftover so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. Now, in this story, uh, what a miraculous story. Jesus takes five loaves of bread, two fish, a little boy's lunch. He prays over it. It is multiplied, and he feeds over 5,000 people. You see, sometimes we've heard some of these stories so much that we forget just how miraculous that was. Five loaves of bread, a little boy's lunch, two fish, and Jesus multiplies it. Now, it said there were 5,000 men. Well, you know where there's 5,000 men, there's more women and children, especially at a church service. Come on. So, so we can safely say there were over 10,000 people there. I mean, if there were just as many men, or just as many women and children as men, there'd been 10,000. So over 10,000 people. That, that would be like being at Raymond James Stadium at a Bucks game back before the pandemic, and it's packed, and, and, and you're there, and there you got three Cokes and two hot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> and Jesus said, I want you to feed everybody in the stadium. Come on, let's get real. This is what the disciples and those 10,000 plus people encountered that day. They encountered Jesus feeding over 10,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Miraculous. Wonderful. But let's delve into this a little bit more. But I hope you're seeing this, even from just recounting the miracle. I hope you're seeing Jesus is more than enough. It doesn't matter what situation you're in today. It doesn't matter what you're facing. Jesus is more than enough. You, you may be facing a financial setback. You, you may be facing some brokenness in, in your life, in your family. You, you may be facing a divorce. I, I, you, you may be facing loss. You may be facing a challenge with your faith. But can I remind you today, Jesus is more than enough. I want you to take a fresh look at who Jesus is. Now, let's look at this miracle here. And I want to delve into it. And let's look at first the disciples, because they were the closest to Jesus. And here's what Jesus says. Gospel, the Gospel of John, John writing this Gospel, he is one of Jesus' disciples, and he records it this way. He says, Jesus asked Philip, one of the disciples, uh, I want you to feed all these people. What, what will we need to feed all these people? Now, now, now can I... Can we just all remember this? Anytime God or Jesus asks us a question, it's not because he wants an answer. Or it's not because he doesn't know the answer. Come on. So here, Jesus 
is asking Philip. Now, you've got to remember this, too. They've already seen his miracles. I began reading this morning in John where it says he had already done miraculous signs. So they know him. They know what he can do. And then when he asks Philip, Philip, you know, can, can we feed these people, please? And, and what does Philip, his disciples, say? His, his disciples says, Lord, even if we went and worked for months, we wouldn't have enough. Wait, wait a minute. You, you, you just told Jesus who made the stars, who, who was the Alpha and Omega, who is God incarnate. You just told him that there's not enough, there wouldn't be enough, it can't be done. Have you ever talked to Jesus like that? I bet you have too. You, you see, the Bible says that Jesus was testing Philip. You probably heard it on the radio. This is a test. A test of the national broadcast system. Listen, how many times does God, does the Holy Spirit test us and ask us, can you do that? Can, can we do that? Or, or ask us to do something and we fail the test just like Philip failed the test. Philip said, ain't no way, Jesus. <laughs> wow, you, you ever told God that? Don't ever tell God that. He makes a way in the wilderness. He's the God who opens up the Red Sea. Come on, you got to know who you're talking to. <laughs> Do we know? Are we like the disciples and we're standing in the presence of the Savior of the world, God incarnate, and we tell him there's not enough, we can't do it. Wow. Philip doesn't pass the test, and then Andrew speaks up. Philip's brother, I mean Peter's brother. And Andrew says, well, said, tell you what, Lord, there, there's a little boy who has given us his lunch, and so we do have five loaves and two fish, but then Andrew fails the test too because then he makes this statement. He says, but what good is that with this huge crowd? Can I interpret what Andrew really said? You ready? What Andrew told Jesus was what I have is not enough. How many times have we felt like that? How many times have we discounted what we have? There was a gift that God has given us. And by gift, I mean some ability that we have. God may say, I want you to use that gift for me. Oh, Lord, what I have, it's not enough. What could I do with so many people who need you, with so much that needs to be done in this world? What would my little gift do? It'd feed 10,000 if you'd give it to Jesus. And can I say something else that Andrew did here? Andrew also, as a representative of the Lord, did something that we should never do. He discounted what the little boy offered to Jesus. This little boy offered his lunch. This little boy said, hey, I'll give my five loaves and two fishes. 
two fish. I'll give that. And Andrew basically told him, your gift, it ain't enough. Listen, somebody says to you, God's called me into the ministry. Or, or God's called me to have this ministry at my work. Or, or to do this. or to you know, I, I don't know, some kind of work for the Lord. And you look at them and think, Lord, they ain't going to do it. Because you discount what they're offering to the Lord. Maybe you've had a financial offering and you thought, I'm not going to give that. It's just $5. It's just $100. That They need building to grow. They need $60,000. If I give $100, no, do not ever discount. Come on. Are we learning something? Let me ask you this question. Has the enemy of your soul, the devil ever told you that what you have is not enough the strength you have is not enough the wisdom you have is not enough the talent you have is not enough mm. you see can I can I just I, see I want you to encounter Jesus as the one who's more than enough so can I remind you of this truth today church listen to me Jesus is a master at taking what isn't enough and making it more than enough he can take your not enough and he can make it more than enough but what do you have to do you have to be willing to offer to Jesus you're not enough come on bottom line is this if what you have isn't enough, bring it to Jesus. Why do you think you're giving it to Jesus? If it was enough, you wouldn't need Jesus. Philip and Andrew were kind of stuck on not enough. Sometimes we get stuck there. I've been stuck there. I've been stuck thinking I'm not enough. As far as a pastor, I'm not enough. You know, I, I don't have the strength physically maybe to do some things. And by strength physically, I'm talking about stamina, not necessarily in lifting up things. But do I have the stamina to reach this community? Do I have the stamina to keep going on in the midst of this COVID-19? You know, folks, it's a little hard during this season to lead a church, if you haven't noticed. With the church separated and broken and, 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 and not, let me say that, I said that wrong with people that are broken and we want to reach them and yet the church is scattered and so it's a little hard to reach them and then too sometimes I don't even know if some people in the church are broken because I haven't seen them for so long mm. but, but you see here's what I know Jesus is more than enough for the church he's more than enough for you in this season and we need to encounter him as that. And I'm glad, oh, aren't you glad that what Philip and Andrew said just didn't bother Jesus and he went ahead and fed the crowd anyway? Aren't you glad Jesus didn't say, oh, you are right. There's not enough and that offering isn't enough. Mm. How big is your God? Listen, can I tell you this? Not enough doesn't bother the one who's more than enough. Come on, not enough does not bother the one that is more than enough. Now, uh, I, I want to get back to this test because Jesus said that Philip failed the test. We know that Andrew failed the test. Actually, we're going to see that the only one who passed the test that day was the little boy. Yeah. 
And do you know what you want to know what the real test was? Let me show you. We'll go on reading in this story, and I will show you what the real test is so that you can pass the test. Because when you pass the test, you're going to experience Jesus being more than enough in your life. Is anybody ready today, right now, in this season, to experience Jesus as more than enough, more than enough peace to carry you through, more than enough joy, more than enough physical health, come on, more than enough wisdom? He's more than enough. But we got to pass this, what I'm going to call the belief test. And so I want to take you over to the Gospel of Mark. Same story, but Mark adds in a little part that John doesn't. And uh, John just goes straight to Jesus and the disciples being on the other side the next day. But Mark tells what happens in between. As soon as they get through, and you can imagine feeding 5,000 people, over 5,000 people, how long that took. Jesus said, have them seated picking up 12 baskets full of food, carrying that food around, distributing it. So I'm sure the disciples were probably exhausted. Jesus tells his disciples, you get in the boat and go to the other side, and I'm going to go up the mountain and pray. So that's what they do. The disciples get in a boat. They're headed across to the other side. And then Mark tells the story that Jesus comes to them walking on the water. And Mark said he was going to pass them by except for a storm arose. And here's where I want to pick it up in the Gospel of Mark. Mark 6.51, speaking of Jesus, it says, Then he climbed into the boat, and the wind stopped. They, speaking of the disciples, were totally amazed, for they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. Mm. I could do a whole series on what makes our heart hard. We have a hard heart toward Jesus. We won't see him as more than enough. It says here that his own disciples who had watched him do miracles still didn't understand the significance of the loaves and the fishes. What really was the significance, the main point of the loaves and the, and the fishes? And, and let me just say this too. You know, the disciples were in a storm. Jesus starts to pass them by, but then he sees that they're fearful, so he steps in the boat. And the minute he steps in the boat, the wind stops, the waves stop. And it says this. It says they were amazed. Can, can I use another word here to kind of bring it home? They were shocked. Oh, ho, hold on. You're shocked? This is the one that just fed... 10,000, over 10,000, God multiplied five loaves and two fishes in his hand, and you helped distribute it. You picked up 12 baskets of scraps, and then you're shocked. Because they still didn't understand. They'd seen him turn the water into wine. They'd seen other miracles, John and Mark both tell us, and yet they're shocked. Ha, come on. 
Now, we could say, oh, those disciples, but how many times have you and I kind of been in the same place? The Lord did what for you? God did what? I want to go back to John now, okay? They're in the boat. They're heading to the other side. The storm happens. The disciples are shocked. Jesus said, you still don't get it. You haven't passed the test yet. We we still know what the test is. But if we go back to the story, same story, but jump back to the gospel of John, where Jesus is on the other side, we're going to see he's ministering to the people over there the next day. And he basically says the same thing to them, but then he gives us the answer. You ready? Let's read. John 6, 26. It says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. See, see, these are the people yesterday that he had fed the five loaves and two fish until they were full. They had plenty, more than enough. And so they're hanging out with Jesus today thinking, we're going to get fed. <laughs> and Jesus said, No, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because, oh, folks, this is so good, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable, but don't, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of man may give can give you for God the Father has given me the seal of his approval now here we go this is it don't you like it when in class the teacher says now this is going to be on the test Listen up. Well, I'm, I'm telling this going to be all, this is the test. This is the test that Philip didn't pass, that Andrew didn't pass. This is what they hadn't understood yet. This is the test for you and me today to experience Jesus as more than enough. And here's what Jesus said. It says, they replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. Wow. You see, the real test was, do you believe I am God incarnate? Do you believe I am the Savior of the world? Do you believe I can give you eternal life, not just feed you so that you can have physical life, but I can give you abundant life? Do you believe in who I am? This is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. You see the real test that Philip didn't pass, Andrew didn't pass, that the little boy did. You see the reason the little boy brought his five loaves and two fish to Jesus is because he believed that Jesus could do something with those five loaves and two fish. You see, the reason why some of you aren't praying, the reason why some of you aren't coming to church, the reason why, well, y'all are, but you know, I'm talking to people everywhere. The reason why some people don't seek God is because they don't think he'll do what he said he'd do in the Word. They don't recognize who he is, but I'm going to help you recognize who he is. Wow. And can I say this today? Is it really all that hard just to believe that Jesus is who he said he is? Can I, can I tell you, apparently it is. 
Because we human beings have a hard time believing that Jesus is who he says he is. And I, I just make this statement. Whether Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, is still the biggest issue on the planet. In every nation throughout the world today, the biggest issue that's causing problems, the source of our pain and brokenness is because people refuse to believe that Jesus is who he said he is, the savior of the world, the giver of life, the alpha and omega, the beginning and end, that God is the God that is more than enough. In fact, in the Old Testament, when God came to Abraham, he revealed himself as El Shaddai. And that literally means the God who is more than enough. Wow. Some people may say, is he enough to erase my sins? Is he enough to heal my brokenness? Is he enough to satisfy my needs? See, some people don't come to Jesus because they don't believe that he'll satisfy them like things of the world can satisfy them. They don't believe he's more than enough spirit, soul, body in every way. He's the giver of life. Let me define this word work. Oh gosh, I'm supposed to close in five minutes. Lord Jesus, help me. You're more than enough, Lord. I just trust you for a miracle here. It says, this is the work. Jesus calls it a work. Isn't that something that he calls what you need to believe about him a work and that work is the word ergon greek word and it's where we get our word energy in other words you're going to have to put some energy if you're going to believe in jesus if you're going to believe he is who he says he is that means you're going to have to put some energy in reading the bible i, I am going to brag here a little bit i just admit i'm gonna brag i just finished yesterday reading the bible in 30 days it was fun but it took a lot it's called shred. I give you a challenge. If you, want to, if you want to really be challenged in reading the word, then do that shred. Uh, but see, it took some energy. But all oh, did it energize me too. Wow. You're, you're going to have to work at knowing. I, I like not only does it mean this word means to accomplish, continued work, what God requires to be done, labor. This word work from Thayer's Greek dictionary, it says that which anyone is occupied. Can I tell you this? As far as work to believe, it, it, that word means accomplishment. Can I say our greatest accomplishment in this life is to believe in the person of Jesus Christ? That is the greatest accomplishment. Listen, we can be proud of our family, our children, our friends who do great things in this world things that people consider great that is perfectly acceptable to say hey that's great but you better remember this that the greatest thing the greatest accomplishment you will ever do as a parent is to teach your child to believe in the person of Jesus Christ because when everything is said and done the only thing that's going to matter is what you believed about him he is the king of all kings he is the lord of all lords he is the creator the alpha and omega he's the healer he is the redeemer of mankind there is no other name whereby we must be saved. There is one name, and his name is Jesus. Come on. Jesus, do we believe that he is who he says he is? Do we believe 
That he's the God that's more than enough. Now here's why he used the word work. Because you're going to have to work at it. Because people every day are going to tell you that he's not enough. They may not use his name. But they're going to look at you in a way that tells you you're not enough. They're going to discount your gifting. This word, this world is not going to applaud you for your faith. So you're going to have to get up early. You're going to have to spend some time with Jesus. You're going to have to talk to him throughout the day. You're going to have to meditate upon his word. You're going to have to look to him when you feel like a failure. You're going to have to declare in the name of Jesus, I am not, I'm an overcomer. That word work means to be occupied with. What are you occupied with? Mm. I got to close. I have a few more minutes. Matthew 6, 25. It says, Jesus speaking. That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. Don't they plant or harvest? or They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? You see, if we're worried about things we need to live, like we're worried about food and clothing, we're not seeing Jesus for who he is. It says life. He, he gave us life. If Jesus is the giver of life, he can certainly give us what we need to live, the food, the clothes. Hmm. Let's wrap this up. i got to wrap it up. I want to take you to John chapter 6, verse 35. Now, we're still reading the story of the feeding of the 5,000. This is the next day. After Jesus tells them to believe in the one that God sent, then he puts it out in plain English using bread. Jesus taking a very natural thing. He had fed them yesterday. He takes a very natural thing, and he brings now a spiritual truth to them. And he tells them who he is. John 6.35 Jesus replied I am the bread of life whoever comes to me will never be hungry again whoever believes in me will never be thirsty never hungry never thirsty more than enough he's not talking about just physically he's talking about spiritually emotionally, physically, in every way. If we believe that Jesus who he says he is, that Jesus is who he says he is, then we will have more than enough life. This word life is that word Zoe. It speaks of the absolute fullness of life. It's life really genuine. It's life active and vigorous. It's a life devoted to God. It's a blessed life. In other words, when we know who Jesus is, our life will be fulfilled. And not only will we be fully satisfied here, but we will have eternal life. Can I say this? I think eternal life qualifies as more than enough life. Everlasting life. Life And that eternal life doesn't begin when you die. It begins the moment, the very moment you believe that Jesus is who he says he is. He gives you a life that is beyond anything you have ever experienced.
It is eternal life. It is a life more than enough, fully satisfying. Can I say this as I close? We need to stop searching in places, in people, in things that will never be enough. And we must put our trust in the one who is more than enough. Today, can I just encourage you to recognize that Jesus is more than enough? And then trust him with everything that's not enough. Amen. Did you get something out of that today? I pray that you did.